So I think as a more strategic leader, it's your job to look further ahead than the people that you're leading or to help the group to look further ahead than the current tasks require them to look and then think, how does what we're doing now contribute to that better future? Welcome to Aim Higher, a show designed to help us realize the leadership potential inside of all of us. I'm Skip Pritchard, CEO, author, blogger, student of success, and your host. We are delighted to have Max McEwen with us as a guest today. Dr. Max, I should say. He has a PhD and an MBA and I think a master's of some sort in psychology. His research focuses on the effectiveness of different approaches to strategy and innovation. His clients are a who's who of global brands across industries and geographies. He has several books books out, uh, Innovator's Book, Adaptability, The Strategy Book. Uh, the Strategy Book is one of the books that is within reach on my desk. I have very few books. I have thousands and thousands of books throughout my library, but there are a few that I can reach and grab immediately, and his is one of them. So we are delighted to have you finally. It is so good to to be here and chatting to you, Skip. I mean, you've been a great supporter over the years. I mean, we're nearly at a decade of the strategy book existing and finding friends uh, throughout the world, really. So yeah, fantastic to, to be here on your podcast. Well, thanks for joining us. And the strategy book is... To, to me, so great because it is different. It f- thinks about strategy differently. It lays it out differently. And then at the end, it, it's very comprehensive and showing different strategic approaches. But I should just stop because everybody has a view of a word. And when you say the word strategy, I think of those you know thought bubbles going out and everybody thinks of strategy in a different way. So for you, what is strategy? Certainly. Strategy then is about shaping the future first. That's why we're, we are interested. Uh, with that, that We're strategic animals. We like thinking about what we've done in the past to try to affect the future by what we now do in the present. Strategy then, smart strategy is the best way of using available means, what you have, to get to desirable ends, what you want to have from where you are. So that, that, that's what strategy is about, and that's what strategy is. And it sounds so simple, and yet, as we know, the more you get into strategy, the more nuanced, I would say, I, I don't know if complex, but definitely nuanced it can be. What are some of the most common things that leaders get wrong when they think about strategy or putting together a strategic plan? To some extent, that, that it becomes complex. I mean, strategy is simple but simple things are complex. So that what, what they can sometimes do is confuse it, the form with the function. Uh, Winston Churchill once said that however beautiful your strategy is, you should occasionally check the results. So what he's emphasizing there is the difference between its form and its function. If you're a strategist or you're interested in strategy, you're really not interested in the PowerPoint or the big thick glossy document or very boring meetings, what you should be interested in is the outcome, the result, the consequence. So far from being the very theoretical thing that it is in business schools, and if you've dealt with, you'll have a lot of listeners who've 
who will complain about jargon and MBA speak, and they'll like Dilbert cartoons, uh, and they're, they're, they're in that world, and they think, strategy, that's the last thing I want to hear about. Strategy actually is a very practical thing, and it's how all of us have got everything that we've ever gone out and sought. So for the, for the startup person, for the practical person, I, think, I often think particularly about America, all those very practically minded people, actually they're using strategy to get what they want. And if they want more uh, or they want more of a particular thing, they should turn to strategy and to being more strategic to, to get it. So don't confuse it with what it isn't. It isn't a document. It isn't a PowerPoint. It isn't long, boring meetings. It's not jargon, and it doesn't belong to MBAs or to business or to billionaires. It belongs really to all of us. All of us can be more strategic and get a little bit more of what we want with what we have. You say it's not a PowerPoint. It's not a document. You know, it's not jargon. Not MBA speech. But I will say this. And, and I referenced this right before we started. You talking about strategy and your beautiful British accent just makes it sound much more strategic. I mean, just uh, what is that about? I don't know. Is that why you studied psychology as well to uh, use that? And I mean, I, I don't know. I'll put that off to the side. But that, that is definitely at play as you're talking about strategy. If you did an MBA, and I, I talk about this in the, the strategy book, and I, I guess I need to rewind a little bit here, which is that why, why did I write the strategy book originally almost a decade ago? Because I had finished my PhD and I had been asked to go back and talk to some business school students who were just starting out. And at the end of the session, when I was talking about real world strategy and strategic thinking from my work, with real, you know, huge companies on the whole, but also startups. They said, hey, Max, which book would you recommend we read? You've told us this is how it is. This is real world strategy. What would you recommend we read? And I could not think of one book that they should read because quite often all the power in strategy is stripped away and it becomes for people who are who like to think about strategic things. You know, like somebody likes to think about the horsepower in a car or stamp collecting or, you know, any other, the minutiae of something. They just like it. It's their hobby and it's their hobby horse. And they, they like all that detail and complexity. But the problem with that is it hides the power from people who need the power. So I wrote the strategy book to say, if you could just have one book in your bag or on your desk in your life that you could take with you for your whole career with whatever you're doing, and you could learn enough about the strategy tools and the strategy theories and the examples, the real life stuff, you could have it in one place, a real tool book, a handbook for strategy in action. What would that book look like? And that's the book that, that I wrote. And that happily for, for me, it really found an audience of people and people like like you, you so kindly said, still have it with them and it's underlined and they return to it. Want to have a strategy meeting? Open the book. Want to engage your team with strategy? Open the book. Want to become a bit more strategic? Open the book and so on. Want to avoid failure? Open the book and find the page. So it's a kind of how to do everything with strategy, but it's not simplistic stuff. 
It's not kind of cheap version of strategy. It's actually a really good, solid, full of fundamentals, um, just as smart as all the other books, but only 200 pages long and ultra practical. Well, you just said at the very end, ultra practical. I think that's the thing that makes it different. And the reason why I have it within reach is I'm running a business. I'm not interested in theory. I mean, I'm interested in theory on the side if I read about strategy, et cetera. But when I'm actually trying to do something, it, it needs to be practical. It needs to move things. It needs to make things happen. It can't just be uh, you know, this impractical, theoretical, academic study. And I often find your book is particularly helpful, or I reach for it more when a part of the business or a product or something hits hits kind of a shipwreck kind of thing, and you're on the rocks going, okay, wait a minute, how'd I get here? How do I refix this uh, and get us back on track? And of course, I think I should have used it earlier, but... That, I think, is... I, I tend to write my books for a particular audience, but then also for myself. So I have a, a page, uh, it's organized in, I suppose, an unusual way in that there are short mini chapters with a principle that is fairly memorable and then an example. And then we talk about the context and pitfalls and what the reverses of it, you know, when it wouldn't work. And then a checklist and how you would know whether it was working or it wasn't working and what to do with your team. You, you know, all of those mini sections. So we have a section here on um, how to avoid failure right at the back of the book. And that's pretty useful, isn't it? Because what you want to do to get to success is avoid failure. You don't want to build up a business for years and years and years and then have it fail. You don't want to take your life savings and put them into a business and have failed in the first year. You don't want to suddenly expand because everything's going great and then fail. So you want good practical stuff of let's just check while there's still time to do something about it, which is the whole point of strategy, to see possible consequences and act now to avoid the bad ones and to enjoy the good ones. What could we do to avoid failure? Let, let's just check. And it has that practical sense to it throughout so that somebody can really, you know, take it from me. That's the promise. You read the book. You didn't have to go to business school. And yet you've got a better than business school education in this particular point as it pertains to practical real world consequences. You're not going to know, you know, every reference, but you're going to know, I mean, really more than you would get from a specialist uh, MBA in strategy. It's true. And and what's not in the book is also interesting. And I'm curious why it's not. Not in the book. Value statements, mission statements, vision uh, casting, et cetera. Not in the book. Why did you not put that kind of thing in the book? Yeah, well, well, what you have, and I guess I need to to say this too to people, is the book's organized into six sections, and it takes somebody from what, what strategy is and then into how you nurture yourself as a strategist, which is what matters the most, and then creating your strategy and then winning with strategy. That's what it's for. And then making your strategy work in the real world, bringing people with you. And then it goes into a strategy toolkit. Well, in the strategy toolkit, you've got a couple of pages for each of the most popular and powerful tools and techniques. It goes from the most commonplace like SWOT 
to a much less common thing like uh, Argerus's double and single loop learning. The, the point of saying this is in there, you will find somewhere uh, missions and values and those things because people talk about them. But you can get so lost, Skip, in this stuff. I mean, most some strategy books spend most of the book explaining the difference they spend the first chapter defining strategy and what they think is a good definition, what they think is not a good definition, and referencing things and telling you all the books they've ever read. And then they take you through this thing and they say, this is a mission, and a mission is different to a vision like this, and the values are different like this. But that's not how I have found real people think in the real world. You don't get mega, mega brownie points for doing those things. What, what you get is you need kind of adaptive strategy to allow you to move from one place to another, diagnose your situation, see your threats and opportunities, take people with you when you need people to be with you. That's why I argue that strategy is not a solo sport and that strategy and culture should eat breakfast together. These kind of ideas, because you can't make strategy work without other people. You either have to compete with other people, you have to serve other people, or you have to engage other people so that they help you to achieve your particular aims in a, a fairly complex human world. And that, that applies really whatever you're doing. You're in like kindergarten and you're using strategy in effect to uh, please a teacher or to d deal with a bully. Uh, and that, that carries on your whole life, really. It does. And, and I'm, I'm curious about this. So we, we set our strategy and you've also written about adaptability. And so uh, things happen in business. Things are going along. And some people say, I I'm, I'm adaptable. I'm going to react. I'm going to change this strategy. And other people will say, hey, don't open up and redo this whole strategy right now. How do you balance between reacting adapting versus, you know, changing course. You know, there, there, there are some people who, you know, personality wise, look, there's a bird and they run that way and they, you know, kind of are changing constantly. How, how do you balance between that? When you're advising companies, startups or mature company, how do you advise between that need to change and adapt versus um, completely redoing your strategy every Tuesday? Yeah. It's kind of the difference between you some of the people listening will have read Kahneman's book on fast thinking, slow thinking. So you, you, you have a sense here maybe of fast strategy, slow strategy. That, and you have to, as a, and this is what we already do. So in case somebody thinks this is getting a bit complex, this is what you already do. You have to deal with the kind of things you just outlined there, Skip. Do, do, do I just keep going? Or do I run after everything that's exciting? The, uh, do I need to just give it a little bit more time and it's going to work? Grit, persistence. Uh, or is this one of those cases where everything's changed and I, I need to throw it in? And I think really what you, you have to do, uh, in fact, I've included a, a new tool called the Quick Start Strategy Tool. And it's really designed to help you to do this because... Nobody can tell you for sure. Really, anybody tells you that this stuff is simple and there's only one answer it is a charlatan. They're just making it up, you know? They're either stupid or they're lying. Um, that, that what you have to do is say, this is where I am. This is where I would like to get 
to. This is what I've been doing to get there. This is how I measure success. I'm moving quickly enough towards that to, to keep myself happy. If I continue, these are the threats. This is uh, what, what could come up. These are the opportunities. This is what I know, and this is what I don't know. And then you just have to, to keep adjusting. What I, I'd call this the big picture. And by just checking on the big picture on a regular basis, and then being ready to react to something when your head tells you that it probably is important, and then coming back to the big five strategy questions, where are we? Where do we want to go? What do we need to do? How do we need to do it? And how do we measure progress? But by moving between the big picture and those big five questions, you can find a way of adjusting while still moving forward, as you say, not continually asking, um, where should we eat dinner? Where should we eat dinner? Where's the best restaurant until you end up starving in your house? Um, but instead, but still uh, not going to the same place that uh, you know makes you miserable or uh, is bad for you, that's killing you. You know, I've always gone to this place. I don't even like it, but I'm still going to carry on. Um, so, so it's that mixture between the two. You've got to take action, but you still got to be aware that that action may not be giving you everything that you want, and you uh, you really cycle between them. Uh, and this book, I think, it, well, I know it, it allows you to take a pause, to check, and then to react faster in real time. Uh, and that's enough, really. If you just kept coming back to this book as regularly as I suggest each of the principles, you can be pretty sure that apart from being blown up by an asteroid, you know, that kind of you know, catastrophe outside of your control, that you'll be able to handle the fast stuff and the slow stuff edging forward, moving forward and moving forward to, to getting somewhere important, but not getting stuck in a place that you don't want to be or missing a threat that really you should have seen coming, but you didn't because you were in denial or you had habits that were very ingrained or you were so traditional that, that you just missed it. I mean, that's what you want, isn't it? You want to keep moving towards somewhere desirable but at the, so that you've made progress but at the same time, not get stuck uh, heading towards a place that's moved, uh, a place that's no longer desirable. You know, you thought you wanted it, but you don't want it anymore. Yes. Well, let's shift a bit. You, you, you say strategies about shaping the future. Uh, you also say this. It's also about setting in motion the sequence of events that will shape the future in a way that you like. And your definition of strategy is very in encompassing. To me, it, it mirrors what I think about leadership and success and what it's all about, shaping the future. I want to talk about the personal aspects of personal leadership characteristics. What personal leadership characteristics do you need to have and develop to help shape the future? Or uh, put another way, how do you best develop into being a strategic thinker? Okay, so so one of the things that I say in the strategy book is really this ability to think and act strategically is usually the key difference between what we might term a good manager and a great leader. Because a leader, particularly a great leader, because you can just get the job title, it doesn't mean you're any good at it, but you to be a great leader is about taking somebody 
somewhere better, including yourself. And that might mean a physical location, but really usually it means a circumstance that things are getting better, that you're getting better going forward into the future. So the, the things that you would have to do to achieve that, well, to, to be more strategic, um, strategic doesn't just mean important. It means something is further off into the future, something is bigger, or something is more connected. Those three. So I think as a more strategic leader, if you, it's your job to look further ahead than the people that you're leading or to help the group to look further ahead than the current tasks require them to look. Because you might have somebody in your team who's better at looking into the future than you are. But you need to be able to encourage the group to look forward and then think, how does what we're doing now contribute to that better future? So that we don't just, in the title, win the battle but lose the war or win the slope. You, you know, something like Hamburger Hill. You could get stuck on that hill forever, sacrificing everything, but it not actually serve any particularly useful purpose. You know, it's pointless. And you don't want that in your life. So the ability to think forward and then the ability to look at what you're doing currently and say, does that contribute to a better future or not? Could we do this better or not? Are other people doing this better than we are? Can we learn from them? And can we connect things together? Is there something we can do now that will place us in a much better position in the future? So something like... Um, the Kindle stuff from Jeff Bezos. I know he's a famous example, but he said, electronic books, that could be really good for us. So let's start a project now. And in 10 years, when we release this product, we will be 10 years ahead of the competition. And so it proved. Uh, so you can do a thing now that's almost like magic, you know, time travel. You do something now that really is going to pay off because you've convinced yourself and your team that if we do it now, we plant the tree, we start the project in a year or two or five or 10, it's really going to pay off and we'll be in a much, much better position than other people who thought very, very short term. That is really very impactful, both for businesses, strategic thinking and personal leadership. Max, at the back of this book, uh, you have a comprehensive um, view of, of a lot of strategic models, and I find myself using that often uh, for various purposes. So, you know, whether it's Cummings and Wilson and Kaplan, Norton, Johnson, Cotter, on and on, you have all these models. Why did you include those models and how have you seen people using them? What I did was go through... Your audience probably aren't, aren't going to be interested in this, but there's a there's a subfield of strategic studies uh, called strategy as, as practice. And what they were really interested in is how people really do strategy in the real world. And uh, as part of the, that, I did my PhD as part of that leadership and strategy, how it really works and what, what works, what doesn't. And so... What some of that uh, research showed was that there were certain tools that were the most popular. So I included those tools in here because you need to know if you're in a corporate environment what those are and when they're mentioned, you need to know. I also included in them the ones that are the most 
are sort of theoretically important, the ones that have influenced the, the field, and then also those that are the most powerful, even if they're not the, the most popular or the, the best known. So each one of them achieves then a different purpose. And I go through and I explain what the point of the tool is, because strategy gives you power. And each of these tools is a really smart person or a group of people who figured out a way of looking at your situation and how to shape the future. That's what they've done for you. They've given you an actual tool, you know, like a screwdriver or a nail gun, a tool for doing the job better. So I explain the tool. And then what I do is I apply, show you how that tool is applies to a real life example that you'd know Netflix, Uber, whatever company. And then I also explain how it relates to the big five strategy questions that everybody should ask about strategy, the ones I've mentioned a few times. But you know, again, where are you now? Where do you want to go? What do you need to do? How do you need to do it? How do you measure progress? And then the plus two is what's pushing you towards it and what's stopping you. And I've explained each of the strategy tools in relation to those five questions so that somebody can say, I mean, I, I love it. It, it, it. One of the models is all about how companies go through stages and each of those stages is more or less predictable that you're going to, to go through that stage and you'll get there and suddenly there's going to be a certain kind of crisis. It's Grenier, his growth and crisis model. You're going to go from kind of chaos when you first start to then some uh, red tape. And then if you get rid of the red tape, you're going to launch into a problem with growth. Then if you solve the problem with growth, you'll have another problem. Well, I think that's fantastic in business because you're able to kind of predict what's coming up and what's going to hit you next if you don't do anything about it. So you all know that you start growing and things are fantastic, and then you're going to hire lots of people who will put processes in place, and then eventually the company will get all sort of jammed up with processes and checklists, and you'll stop being creative and you'll stop growing. Well, what a great thing that is to know before you even start a business that that's coming so that you can ensure that you do whatever is possible to get the benefit of organization without getting clogged up with red tape and checklists and too many rules and too many controls. Uh, and that's the, the beauty to me of the strategy and also the strategic theory in here that you can look forward into the future and benefit from all those wise people. So you don't have to learn from making all of those mistakes yourself. I mean, you'd have to live, you know, 10,000 lives, 10,000 versions of your life to learn as much as you would gain from the information that's in this book. Yes. Yeah, studying, studying other people's models and seeing what's coming is certainly more effective than uh, shaking the magic eight ball when it says ask again later. So thank you for that. You know, a lot of people will say this when you when you talk about strategy, Max. They'll 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 stop you and they'll say, "Oh, Max, you know all this strategy work and all this planning and you know setting the vision and doing all these things. You know, at the end of it, it's all about execution. How do we actually make sure it happens? What do you say to those people? I'm sure that comes up all the time for you. It does come up. Well, first of all, I'd say to somebody that that is strategy. So 
so strategy in a sense is a theory of success. It's you saying, I think that if I do X, then I will receive Y. Now, some people don't put very much thought into that. You know, they just do. They grab it, they grab the marshmallow or they uh, uh, rob the bank. They say, if I do X, I will get Y. Some people don't put very much thought into it. But any thought, but you still have a theory of what you need to do to enjoy success. So I'd say to somebody, you already have a strategy. The question is, is your strategy giving you what you want? If the answer is yes, then you don't need any of this stuff, do you? But if you're not getting what you want, or you're not getting enough of what you want, or you want to be warned about things that might take what you have from you, then why not look over here at what thousands of years of strategic thinking has taught us, and at what hundreds of thousands of strategy researchers and business people in the field have learned about how to shape their futures. And then you can do a bit better. I mean, if your strategy is whatever you've got has worked up to this point, why not make it a bit better? And if it hasn't worked, we can really help. So you can go from bad strategy to good strategy. But how about going from good strategy to great strategy? And how about if your world changes and whatever you were doing is no longer working then you're going to need to actually think before you plan and then plan before you act, but also react to things in your environment that would be much more successful than the things that you are doing or just avoid you know, somebody coming at you. Nobody can tell me that the world is slowing down or that the world is becoming uh, more certain. It's not and it won't. So why not have strategy in your toolkit? It's it's so good, and I think that's part of the reason why your work makes so much more sense to me as a business leader because it isn't separate. It's not strategy over here and execution over here. It's all it's it's all inclusive. What about culture? So, how do leaders encourage and cultivate a whole strategic culture, a whole uh, you know numbers of people at all levels of the organization thinking about? strategy, thinking about shaping the future at all levels? Because all of us, as you point out, uh, can help shape the future. So how do you create that culture of strategic innovation? Well, it's really important that you raise it. I sound like a politician. Thank you for asking me that question. I'd come at it from a couple of angles. One is, as you say, I mean, strategy and culture are not the same thing. Some of the people who are listening will remember maybe the quote that uh, culture eats strategy for breakfast. So in the, you know, in the States, that might be, I had a fantastic uh, meal the, the, the other day in, in uh, New Jersey, I think it was, and you've got the eggs and you've got the bacon and you've got the pancake, big stack of them at everything. And so, so there's this quote that, Culture eats strategy for breakfast, meaning that culture is more important than strategy. Uh, that's what people take it to mean. But actually what Peter Drucker meant, who, who wrote that originally, was that culture, the way the company works, the habits and the characteristics and your traditions and your 
your tastes and your approach, the, the way you do things really needs to eat the breakfast of champions. And the breakfast of champions is strategy. So I flipped it a bit and said that strategy and culture should eat breakfast together. And somebody recently pointed out to me, well, hey, that's a good start, but surely they should be eating you know, every meal together, brunch, lunch, uh, dinner, supper, everything together, and then still going out for beers later. And that's because culture is the way that people act, that, that all of those, uh, as I said, traditions, the way they joke, the way that they think, the way that they act. But strategy is the way you shape the future. And what you want are those two things to, to understand each other better. And that means that you may want a particular culture to achieve your particular strategic aim. And if you are going to build the most customer-centric company in the world, which was Amazon's aim, you're going to have to have quite a few people who work there who think of customers as important and want to build a company around them. If you want a company that's going to uh, get things done like Elon Musk wants, then you're going to want a culture that doesn't think meetings or hierarchies or checklists or PowerPoint presentations are more important than the work. You're going to want a culture that's fit for your purpose, fit for purpose and fit for your purpose. Then you raise another interesting uh, idea, Skip, which is that you can have cultures that are strategic or less strategic in their nature. So the first was culture as a, a sort of a tool of your strategy. But the second way of viewing it is engage people. People are smart. People see things. People on the front line. You kind of go with a, I guess you could say, a Toyota strategy or uh, um, that that says that we have 100,000 employees and one person views those as 100,000, you know, like bodies, workers. Another person views that as 100,000 brains, people who can think, people who can feel, people who can solve problems. And Toyota says, listen, each one of those people, we can use their ability to adjust strategy in different ways, to see opportunities and to grab them, to test and experiment. Uh, and they're very different ways of, of viewing uh, viewing strategy. But strategy and culture should eat breakfast together. They should work together, hand glove, all of those kind of uh, ideas. And then also strategy can either, culture can either include people in the strategic process or it can exclude them. And both can work to some extent, but in a fast moving world, uh, I tend to think that in a complex, fast-moving world, it is better to include people in it so that they can make decisions that make sense given the whole strategy rather than just waiting for the next order. Uh, you, it, things just move too fast and are too complex. You need people to understand really what, what, what are we trying to achieve and how are we trying to achieve it so that regardless of the level that you're at, you relay a, a threat and a warning and an idea and an opportunity to the rest of the company, or you just act according to your overall aims, even when the rules don't necessarily tell you uh, what to do next. Southwest Airlines, their idea of things making heart sense. Well, they tell their employees to do what makes sense, given the objectives of the company, which is to leave customers really happy. 
And they shouldn't at that point say, oh, I don't know, the rules don't make it clear what I should do next. Instead, they should do what makes heart sense. So, so you have those two different ways, but related to bring culture and strategy together. It's good. And they do a great job of making sure that people understand what that means and giving examples of it, which I think uh, makes the brand come to life. Well, this I, I hope everybody can see why your um, approach to strategy and innovation is different, comprehensive, and uh, fascinating, and why your book is within reach of my desk. Where can people learn more about you and your work? You can, of course, buy all my books on Amazon and Barnes and & Noble and other bookshops, books about strategy, This the, the latest edition of the strategy, but also the innovators book. I think people would enjoy and find very valuable. Also, LinkedIn is one of the very best places to, to find me. You can join a community discussing the, these subjects and ask me questions, watch videos, uh, read the material, uh, enjoy and follow online courses. Uh, and I, I just should say, perhaps as we're getting close to the end, that in your real world, the world of the people listening to this, they will discover that the difference when you two people can be in the same situation, appear to have the same resources, have the same challenges and the same privileges, and one person will end up enjoying much more of what he or she wanted in life, the same situation. Now, this isn't a moral distinction I'm trying to make. Both may have worked as hard and been just as good but one person was the more strategic thinker and put that strategic thinking into action. And the more that you look at the world, the more you will find that is the difference between those two, two people. Uh, and I d just really urge people to, to think of their world in that way. Even something as simple as a, uh, the Oscar winner. Uh, the, the Oscars appear on the surface just to be about who released the film that was either the most popular or the best. And then when you dig under the surface, you find the incredible amount of strategic thinking and lobbying and money that's being spent in order to convince people that this particular film this year should win. And you can either view that as an unfair advantage or you can just view that as a strategic advantage that the people who are most likely given the same starting point with the same materials to do better are the people who gain that strategic advantage. And I think that's another reason I wrote this book, to make that available to people who will never work with me one-on-one, -on -one, but want more, and want whether that's safety, security, luxury, love. Uh, it, it, and although this is a, definitely a business strategy book, strategy can help you get more of that. Well, I hope people see why your book and your thoughts are so compelling because it does elevate your thinking. Strategy is about shaping the future. And you said strategy, I love this, strategy gives you power. And what else do you want than to shape your future and to shape it increasing your power and your future being much better uh, a best, better possible outcome than otherwise. So it's time to think about strategy for your business, for your organization, and also your own personal strategy, whether it be for your career or for your life. If you want to shape your future, 
it all starts with strategy. So thank you, Dr. Max, for all of your thinking. This is really great. Glad to have this conversation and look forward to the next conversation, which which I hope does not happen 10 years from now, and we can make it happen in our future a lot closer than that. I'm already writing my, my next couple of books, so I, I hope to speak to you soon. Uh, and thank you for all your work, your, your tremendous book and your content, uh, and also your generosity in uh, in giving a platform to these ideas. Thank you very much. Well, thank you so much. Look forward to our next conversation. Thanks for listening to Aim Higher with Skip Pritchard. Check out skippritchard.com for more episodes, interviews, book reviews, and leadership insights. And if you like what you hear, please rate us in iTunes. Until next time, remember, don't settle for the mediocre. Always aim higher.